All right, friends, how's it going? Zig coming in at the top of the interview. Today I have Leah Mara. Leah Mara is a local singer-songwriter from Chardon, Ohio. She's one of my favorite local singer-songwriters. I really dig her style. I think you guys are going to as well. I'm going to play a bit of one of her songs off Bleeding Heart. This is Ghost. from the album Bleeding Heart. This is Leah Mara's latest release with the band Leah Mara and the Dreamcatchers. Um, she also played in a band called the Town Catleys, and she runs a festival out of Chardon called Love Fest. Leah is also at this time, so if you're listening and it's no longer COVID-19, and it's, well, I don't, I don't even know if that's a measure of time, but if, it, if the pandemic is not a pandemic by the time you hear this interview, this may not be a uh, a valid anymore, but Leah is offering lessons for guitar and ukulele. So if you're interested in learning and have the time, which uh, depending when you're listening to this, you might have, check that out on her Facebook. I'll link everything below. And before we get into the interview, I also want to point out um, Leah's phone does this really cool fart sound and it cuts out all the audio. So there's gaps in this conversation. And halfway through, I did a fairly good job of fixing, correcting it as we're going. So there may be a couple gaps where you, you hear part of a conversation, and then that conversation steered in a different direction. But um, at least the the question and the content that was brought up is readdressed. And but there's a little bit of a weird audio connection with this one, more so than any episode so far. So uh, I appreciate you guys bearing with the technical difficulties because Leah's got some really good inside scoops on the Leah Mara and the Dreamcatchers and the Love Fest and um, secret upcoming projects, which he kind of talks about. I don't know. You got to get into it. All right, guys. If you hear anything you like, if you can like, subscribe, comment, rate, review the podcast on any of the podcast mediums, be it um, Spotify or Apple, it's really appreciated. It helps the artist that we are interviewing, get their voices heard by putting the podcast up front where it needs to be. Um, also, Leah is playing virtual show CLE May 15th, 8 p.m. Tune in with Brandon Postman. One more thing. I just got a phone call from Leah, um, which is impeccable timing on her part. Love Fest this year is going to do a stream festival. So they're going to have streamed live music. They're going to do vendors, art, and a raffle. And it's going to be a virtual experience of the festival we talk about in the interview. And it's an amazing festival. So this is really cool that they're finding a way to keep this going through the pandemic. 
And um, if you can, check it out by going to the links below in the, in the podcast description for LoveFest. There's a link to the event and a link to the Facebook page. Both will take you to the festival when it happens. All right, here we go. Leah Mara. All right, here we go. Zig at the Good Podcast. I'm hanging out with Leah Mara. How's it going, Leah? Going good. How are you, Dave? <laughs> uh, holding together. Holding together. <laughs> how's uh, How's quarantine been for you? It's been great. Yeah? Um, yeah, you know, just kind of losing my mind slowly. Yeah. And, uh, Binge watching Riverdale, which is an intense, weird teen episode thing. Yeah. What are you, TV show? That's the name of it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I've been binging Community. Have you ever seen that show? Community? Yeah. I think I have once. Isn't it about like community college or something? Yep. yep. I like through this whole thing, like I've been like. Uh, we've talked before previously because we've been studying for our board exam, so this is kind of hard to separate podcast and introduce you to the new people, um, but I've been pretty strict with a schedule as far as stuff to do to keep my that, that sanity slipping away ever so slowly, <laughs> like we're all trying to do, but um, <laughs> as of recently, I've been getting into like watching things. <laughs> yeah. And communities. Like, you become addicted. I'm addicted, and I need to not be. It's it, a bad thing. Isn't isn't it weird when you notice it too? You're like, oh, I gotta watch two more. You know what I mean? You're yeah. Like, I can't like when I'm watching Riverdale. Like I'm I'm an addict of Riverdale. I confess, everybody. And so, so like I'm watching an episode and they're each like 45 minutes long. And then all of a sudden it's like nine o'clock at night and I'm like, oh my God, I just finished season two and now I want to keep going. Uh, it's so easy to do the binge thing. Like when the, the Marvel stuff came out on Netflix I started to watch that, and you'd get kind of hooked into it. And each, like, there's that, like, 15 minutes at the end of that 45-minute thing that... <laughs> I'm going to cut that. No! <laughs> I don't know what it is with your phone, but it farts occasionally. My phone's broken. My phone's broken, and there's always a fart noise that happens. It wasn't doing this yesterday when we were studying. Yeah, it was fine. It was but just of course the... it's going to do it now. Yeah, now that we're recording. It was only like at the beginning, and then it was smooth sailing. It's like a... Yeah. I can't even do it. <laughs> no. That's yeah, pretty good. It's even. pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> we'll compare it at the top. <laughs> Perfect. But it's so weird how that stuff like hooks you in and like, I don't know. Then when you're done with it, you're like, now what? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I'm afraid. Like, I'm going to have de- attachment issues. With Riverdale. With Riverdale. Uh, has that been they the only put, thing you've been binging? Or are you switching with things? It's an all-day process. To say. It's all good. It's all good. But, you know, YOLO, it's quarantine. For sure. But you weren't quarantined yeah. the whole time. You had a gig for, for the first couple, maybe Yeah, months, I was right? I was working, and, and I made a choice. Which is you, smart choice or uh, the wise choice? 
we don't have to get into the circumstances of it, but yeah, I um, think it was a wise choice too. So I don't know. I think I might start Instant Cart. Would you go shopping for people? Oh yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Just go around being like, "Really, you need this many Doritos? All right, here you go." <laughs> I'll deliver all the Doritos if you want to give me cash. <laughs> uh, that, that's pretty cool. I haven't thought about that. Maybe I'll just drop CDs in the in there. Just give like, <laughs> give little um, uh, samplers. Along with your yeah. Doritos, try the tasty sounds of Liamara and the Dreamcatchers. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a way to get your music out there. I think um, <laughs> I think there was an internet story of a guy who <laughs> was giving out his mixtape with like pizza orders. And, oh like, yeah! Wasn't that a thing? And it was like super vulgar. <laughs> and, like, was it really? It didn't work out for him. <laughs> Oh, poor guy. He had the right idea, though. Yeah. That's genius. For sure. He was ahead of his time. And, uh, he was? You, you don't have to worry about too much vulgar vulgar stuff in uh, the Dreamcatchers. No, we don't swear and we don't talk about things. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's any... It's, it's, a, it's an order-friendly... It's family... It's family-friendly, Family-friendly yes. tunes. Not G-rated, but maybe PG. Thir- okay. Not even 13. Yeah, sometimes 13. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so bouncing to that, that wasn't your first project. That's the most recent project is Liamara and the Dreamcatchers. And Correct. I was thinking, when I met you, it was at <gasps> a show at Mahal's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were playing with Michelle Gaw. And mm-hmm. you guys are opening for Beams? Beams, yeah, from Canada. And they, yeah. I've actually, I keep in touch with Beams. They've actually stayed at my house a couple of times. Um, they've played Love Fest, right? The last they played one? Love Fest. Um, not the last one, but a year after, the year before that, I think, or two years before that. So it's been a while, and they've come through Cleveland, and they hit me up when they come through. But... Yeah, so I was playing solo at that gig, and that was in 2015 because I came back from school, from college, because I graduated. So I was here before everyone else was, I think. And that's why I took that solo gig. And then the Tom Catleys, which is my other other project that ended um, last summer, um, we were together for eight years, and we were kind of on and off sometimes yeah (laughs) one of those relationships you know (laughs) so we uh (laughs) we would like leave for school and then not play while we were in school because we all went to different schools and different well i was in a different state they were in southern ohio and will yeah will was in a different state too but um yeah so then when we would come back for summer we would play and then we would stop. <laughs> and then we would come back and play. We were like a summer band because we formed towards the end of my senior year. And gotcha. then we were gonna, actually going to break up when I left for school, which we kind of did. And then we kind of didn't. It was it was weird. And then I kind of was like, well, guys, let's just keep going. And they listened to me. So. <laughs> hey, what? 
<laughs> but the, the Tom Catleys, at least that lineup wasn't the original lineup or that became the Tom Catleys. The Tom Catleys was like your lineup that you had and then some stuff added in, in between to the Tom Catleys, right? So like, Yeah, we we had like a bunch of different members come in and out from 2011 to 2019 when we broke up. We at least had like five different people, different guitarists and bassists because the original group was uh, me. And then Joe Linsky, who's in Funny Business now, and I'm Will drums. Porter, who lives in New York City, and then um, that was the those was the main crew. We were originally like a were we six? No, we were a five piece. Yeah, with like three guitars. Okay, <laughs> um, an army of guitars. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, and then bass and drums. But um, and then as time went on, people left and came back in, and we just. It was strange. Then Alex Mate joined our band in 2017, I think it was. And he played with us until the end. Gotcha. And, and then Will came back because Will left for like a couple years and then he came back to play. Before he moved to New York. Yes. Okay. And then he moved, but he was like, oh, I'm moving to New York. And then, uh, you know. Yeah, I remember having a, a conversation with Will right before he moved to New York. We were playing Halloween at the Beachland Tavern. I was playing with All's Harvest that night. It was the Tom Catleys, and, like, it was... Um, you know what? Why don't I remember this gig? And multiple people have, like, brought this to my attention, and I'm like, what? We played on Halloween? Yeah, or was maybe this it was, like, like the day before Halloween. It was, like, yeah, it was probably about two years ago. Um, right. Because it was right after, it wasn't too long after you guys put out the t first Tom Catley's record with Alex. Um, so that we, we released that in November of 2000. So maybe it was, maybe 2018. it was sooner. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cause it was November at negative space. Is it going again? Yeah. Every time it does it, I'm going to pause and <laughs> punch it back Perfect, in. Perfect, Dave. Yeah. Please but, don't do the fart noise. But, um, so this one might be a little choppy at parts, but we'll know why. That's, that's fine. <laughs> but I, cause you guys did that and that balloon's been up there at negative space forever. So maybe it was, yeah. it was definitely after you guys put out that record that this Halloween show was. And I remember talking to Will and he was saying how he was, he was going to study chemistry or something or engineering. Yeah, engineering. And like, um, I can't remember, but I was like, cool, man. That'd be awesome. New York's awesome. You know, they got pizza and buildings. <laughs> yeah, what a guy. <laughs> we, we all kind of keep in contact. <laughs> That's good. And like. Uh, Here and there. Well, it's it's hard, especially when you've been together for so long and you're so used to kind of catching up and distant playing, it sounds like. But, like, yeah. before that even happened, did you, like, start writing songs with any of those members before the band took off? Or were you working on stuff by yourself? No, I was working on stuff by myself, and I always wanted a band. So, Joe knew that I played and I sang my own songs. Like, I would do talent shows at high school gotcha. and stuff like that. So, like, they knew... I was musical, so he's like, Leah, you want to start a band? We were in, like, 
the class of history rock and roll, which was funny. Nice. <laughs> and then he was like, you want to start a band? And I'm like, don't play with me. Like, I always want a band. Like, is yeah. this a joke? And then he's like, no, um, I'm for real. So then we just, then we started a band. And the way I confronted Will, like, I didn't even know Will. So I, like, saw him in the hallway. And he's, like, two, he was two, year, two years younger than us. So, like... I was a senior and he was a sophomore. So I was like, Hey you, I was like, he's like, yeah. I was like, I heard you play bass. Like you want to play in their band? And he's like, sure. And then I thought he gave me his wrong number. Cause I, I'm basically dyslexic, I guess. And I like switched the numbers and he wasn't responding to me. <laughs> I was like, whatever, dude. This wrong number <laughs> isn't getting back to you. That's funny. Yeah, but no, I I was I like started off as a solo artist. I, my first gig was when I was like twelve. Yeah. At a coffee shop. Whoa. Yeah, in Chardon, and Which like all shop? my the one you've been. Doing. Uh, Which coffee shop? <laughs> the phone farm. Arabica okay. in Chardon, but now it's Buckeyes Chocolate. Okay, so the one you've been doing stuff at. Yeah, it's kind of funny and ironic. Um. But yeah, and it's weird because this guy who lives in town, he saw me play when I first started playing. And Dave, he shows up like in the most random times <laughs> when I'm playing. And it's just so weird. It's like, who is this guy? <laughs> you don't know him. He just pops in. He's been at every he's going to be the random Liamara fan that's at every show in the background and gives you random gifts like here's a samurai. But that that's crazy. Or he's a figment of your imagination. Maybe, maybe he's like Frank from uh, Donnie Darko. Yeah. <laughs> what was that first set like? Was it just some originals and a cover, or was it all covers? Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was. I think it was originals. Like my eighth grade class. Some of them were there. Yeah, I don't know. It was. It was cool. It was fun. Actually, I think I was in seventh grade. Wow. That's yeah. Awesome. I've met a few so, people that have like, sorry, started at 12 and that just blows my mind. Like I didn't start. Hey, <laughs> I owe it all to school of rock and yeah. Lindsay Lohan man for freaky Friday. <laughs> Not going to lie. That's awesome. I was like, I need to do that. I need to play. That's what did it. And We're then, seeing Lindsay, Lo <laughs> Lindsay Lohan rock out. Yeah. That was, Jack that was my motivation. I was like, Oh my God. I need to do that, and I need a band. Was it what started writing songs? Like that's awesome because those are two of my favorite films. Well, okay, one, one for sure. Freaky Friday, I can't stand by, um, just because I don't think I've seen it. But <laughs> I can definitely testify for any Jack Black film, <laughs> and yes, School Jack of Rock Black. was one of them for sure. Um, do we? Do we? <laughs> Oh, what was his name? Do we, uh, uh, Ed Schneebly? Yes, Ed Schneebly. <laughs> was the guy he impersonated. Um, but like at 12, so you're inspired by these films. What, like, how'd you start playing the guitar? And like, did you just start writing, trying to figure it out? Or did you like kind of like figure some basically, stuff out? So basically, I, I was playing piano. Um, when all this was going on, yeah, I started playing piano when I was like seven and I quit when I was nine. Cause I just was like bored Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Ugh, this is just, 
I don't want to practice. It didn't come easy. So I was like, yeah. eh. And then my dad played guitar around the house. And so, like, he kept this his ovation behind the couch. And so I would always, like, be like, what's this? You know, I was like yeah. a child. And then I, like, was like, I want to learn. And he was like, okay. So he showed me G, E minor, C, and D. Sweet. And so... I basically practiced that religiously for like a week. And Dave, I got it in a week. Nice. I was like, whoa. So, because I was practicing like every day, like five times a day. Like I would just boom, Dude. boom, boom. Wow. And then I, uh, <laughs> then I started writing songs. Like I was actually writing like little songs when I was like eight or whatever, like on the piano, like, yeah. You know, and that was it. And then, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. Nerf that iconic one. No, um, um, do you remember any of the songs you wrote from when you were eight? No, not when I was eight, but when I was like 11, I had this crush on this dude, and then. It's like all emo and sad. It's titled Never Love. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, but it's with G, E minor, C, and D. So, you chords. know, those are the chords. And then um, I was learning some more chords, and then I got lessons when I was like um, maybe 13. Yeah, because I was started playing guitar when I was like 10. And then I, like, started real lessons when I was 13 or tw- 12. Okay. And he showed me Hotel California. <laughs> okay. We started we started learning bar chords, and then um, he kind of lost me when it went into the whole uh, scale thing, and I was like, eh. Yeah. Well, Which I'm kind of sad I did that to myself. I really should have pushed myself to, like, learn my scales more than I did and, like, lead and everything because... I don't know. I'm not good at that aspect yet. of the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I did yet. create something that I can't tell you guys about for an artist. Wait, what? <laughs> who's Yeah. Okay. Um and you guys probably know the artist and they're doing she's collabing with somebody with like stop motion stuff. Okay. So, wait, whoa, whoa. You created a, a lead guitar riff or a tune like this. Is... I like created a something I like something you wouldn't expect that I would like write. Well, I guess you could. You probably Rap be like, song. oh, I could see Leah Mara like doing that. But like, <laughs> it's an instrumental piece, so like that okay, was kind of cool. hard for me. Gotcha. Cool. Well, that's exciting. I can't wait to hear that. What's it? Yeah. Is there a drop date on that? Nope. I can't nope. tell you anything. Nothing? I didn't okay. say anything. Fair. I don't know. What you're talking about. <laughs> Is it that one song is like, yeah, that's a great one. Um, I'm glad you made that into an instrumental. (laughs) For a second, your like computer, yeah, your laptop cover. I know it's a Ninja Turtle, but it also looks like, um, like a that worm from. Star Wars, everyone's gonna be like, oh, "What the heck?" Job of the Hut. 
Yeah. Yeah. Him. <laughs> I guess I can see that scene that I had to balance my phone like back so you can like see my face. Um, and like it wouldn't fall over. <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, so I, I can but seeing what you can see, I can see how you can see that. What? Yeah. <laughs> Good podcast material. Like if right it's there, like a quick sense. glance, it's like, oh. <laughs> hey. So where did you take, was it a local guy? Was it a guy that was playing bands like that you um, learned Hotel California and the bar chords from? Yeah, he was just the local guitar teacher. Um, I actually went to Menor. I went to the city Whoa. to learn guitar. <laughs> In Quotations, was, the city. The city. <laughs> well, what was like, I guess that, you know, being where you're at, that is kind of like, because the first show we did together was a barn show. And, like, I remember that was... Was it? Yeah, that was... Because yeah, I met you at that show you were doing with Gaw, because Gaw was uh-huh. one of the first friends I made at CSU. And she was playing, so I'm like, I'll pop in. And, um, and then from there, we connected, and you hit me up to play this barn show, which is where I met, like, that whole crew, like, All is Harvest yeah. and uh, Brandon Postman and um, uh, uh, the Thick Kevin crew. <laughs> which if they don't go by that they should <laughs> but that show in particular kind of blew my mind i remember at the time cody was playing with um wanyama so it was hard to get him to do like shows and like a barn show and i remember like it was a halloween thing as well yeah it was i was like on halloween or the day before halloween yeah because i like had i put that on like i had that I don't know. I was like, I came back and I was like, all right, I'm going to try to start putting shows on as lo- as well as the festival with Love Fest. So I was like, I got to find a barn. And so I was in search of a barn for like a long time. And I was like, why is this so hard? They're like <laughs> everywhere over here. So then uh, Ryan Labenthal, who's in the Kevin, he offered his barn. And so he like decorated it and he did a lot for it. And I got bales of hay from like a local farmer (laughs) and you know yeah corn stalks and made it all cool but that was a cool show that was fun that was a really cool show like that blew my mind because one it wasn't just like a barn it was like a house it was like a it's better than some houses like it's better than my house this barn was like so decked out it had everything and the way you guys ran it you had like a door person you had like a bar person essentially you had someone like work in the fridge and like and then you go into this room like this garage of this barn and there's a stage decked out and i forget who was running sound but i remember he did a bunch of like electronic stuff um I can't remember who that is now. Um, doesn't matter. Um, but whoever's running this, uh, the, the, or maybe it does. I don't know. Come back. But like, and even just talking with them, everything was so well done for this barn show. Oh, 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 Cody Adams. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, he was running the sound. I, I got him to do it for uh, us. That that blew my mind how well this how well put together this barn show was and how great of a turnout and how that was my first time seeing really because I saw you play by yourself and uh, but that was my first time seeing all these acts from like Chardon that area and like how like amazing everyone was and I was like what the f- where am I and like Dang. no for real like like and I remember <laughs> Brandon cracked me up because he was like decked out like the up character like the band he was with was all like Disney characters and like yep 
everything about it was like such a Twilight Zone experience. I was like, this is insane. It was just so put together. And like, what I kind of wanted to ask was by bringing that out, when you started playing with a group, what, one, a side note, Joe's an amazing drummer. Um, that stuck out in my mind that night too, like just how good of a drummer he was. Um, but like when you started playing shows in Chardon, being that it's kind of like its own like area and it's kind of far from everything and like how you're saying men are, it's a city. Is it like, did you kind of start just developing your own shows and making your own scene or did you kind of hop on or? Uh, yeah, kind of like, uh, yeah, pretty much because the place, the only place we would play in Chardon as the Tom Catleys was this place called Brew Works. And it was a brewery and a restaurant. And we knew the owners and they started live music. So that was like the only place that had live music by us. So um, we started putting our own shows on at their place and they loved it. And we would bring in Cleveland musicians sometimes, whoever wanted to make the trip out. And it was really fun. It was really cool. And then um, they closed up. Uh, but we did, you know, we tried to play around Cleveland, too. We didn't try to just stay at our own hometown. But yeah. that's all we really knew when we were younger. Like, you know. For sure. Being a kid in uh, Chardon, you don't really know too much of what's going on in Cleveland. <laughs> Was it? What? But that's kind of badass and like punk rock in a way that you made your own scene and you just kind of started your own thing. And like, did that... Because we, we've talked about Love Fest a little bit through this interview, but haven't, like, brought up what it is. But did doing those shows kind of inspire the festival? Or were you doing this fest kind of before? the, Or was that just, like, a goal you had? So this is kind of crazy. So I, when I, um, it was a summer I came back from college, and our, we knew these these two guys, um, Justin and Josiah Majetic, and they were brothers, and they were, like, the homeschooled kids. They were, like, the hipster kids, you know, yeah. around um, in the next town. So they we were, they would put on this festival called Love Fest, and they created it, and they thought, like, well, we'll just bring our friends around, and, like, we'll have a potluck, and, like, we'll have information about mission trips, and, like, we'll just have a bunch of bands play and we're going to do it in the square. So they just like put it on and like without permission, pretty much, which was uh, funny. And then like, punk rock. People, yeah. And people would play. And then I played by myself, um, one year with Brandon's, uh, sister, Ashley Karsik. And, um, sister. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, then that was like great, and that was like my senior year. It was going to be the last year because the next year I came back, my senior year of high school. So yeah. then I came back from college from freshman year, and we went. I went to their release show in this church in this town called Newberry, which is next to Chardon, and um, they put on their show and they were talking and they're like, "Yeah, we don't think we're going to be able to put Love Fest on this year. We're moving." They were moving somewhere, and we're like, oh, no, Brandon and I yeah. were like, this cannot not happen. So then we're like, well, you want to try to put on a festival and, like, <laughs> just for kicks? And I was like, sure, like, let's just try it. So we did, and it was a learning experience. <laughs> 
So it was it was in August and it was rainy, but we had a bunch of different people play. We had at least ten people play. We had a little acoustic stage and a main stage, and that was really all the festival. What all the fest all that the festival was, and then there was like some face painting we put on at the table and like some bubbles and stuff and chalk, and that was like it. Yeah, and that so that was the first one, and it was still in the square, right? That was the first one I did, yeah, yeah. and that was still on the square, and then. Um, I just kept going and then yeah. Brandon's like, yeah, I'll just kind of <laughs> well, Brandon. He's a, he, he's, he does so much stuff. Like he dives into so many other things. I can see him, you know, doing a new adventure, but that's cool. I didn't know yeah. you and him started that or started the rebirth of that. So the original yep. guys that were running this fest, they only did it a handful of times or was this something that happened? They did it, they did it about, I think they did it twice or three okay. times. And then we, you know, everyone loved it and they brought in so many people because they knew they had the inner homeschool kid circle. So like they knew people from all over the place. Yeah. They're ahead of their time, especially with the quarantine thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. For them, (laughs) this has got to be an easy adjustment. You know what I mean? They're like used to calling their friends and doing this type of bit. So, but so what, what? stuck out to you during that festival that made this like this is an amazing thing that I can't let die type deal was there like was it just... it was it was uh so this is the moment where I was like shit this is awesome yeah so I like so actually ironically the Tom Catleys were playing at Brewwork so I played the festival real quick then I went across the street and played yeah. with my band and then after that show was over with, I like walk outside and there's like a bunch of kids. Like we were all in high school, so it was this huge congregation just around this stage and the sun. It was like a beautiful sunset, like <laughs> pink and orange. And then like this band was playing, and they were called a minor bird, a minor bird, and I think they were from Canton, and like their music was just like perfect with the sunset and i was like oh shit this is awesome (laughs) like it was just such a great moment i was like this can't you know so then when i heard that they weren't gonna be able to do it anymore i was like no this still has to go on so many people love love it yeah and want to do it so well that's awesome and And there's really nothing like that around here you know on the far east side that goes on like that definitely and you've been able to grow it and get more people from Cleveland involved and it's been a it's it's now it's a, a thing that happens every year and I, each time because I think I forget which which one I played what number it was into the you doing it you know what I mean um but I remember last year I finally got my band to show up um yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like I played a few of them before and even just like as someone coming from Cleveland and going to it I wasn't sure what to expect but just like the barn show it was amazing it's this insane turnout with all these things and all these moving factors and it was just like it blew my mind like again just like how well put together it was and like that so that's cool that you're able to take that step up from where they left off and like and that it's still happening thank you yeah yeah i'm gonna try to keep it going as much as i can you know because it keeps growing every year and everyone's like oh my god like this was love fast i was like yeah they're like last time we were here there's just like 
a little tent of something and bands playing and now there's like all these vendors and food trucks and hands-on activities to do in a little kids section and plus the bands yeah was it was had to take more permits and more paperwork and more meetings and a lot more planning so <laughs> but you got a team with you now too Correct. right it it grew from just you and yeah. Brandon to a uh, i think is Paige involved or is she just a, a vendor Paige was involved she was our art director uh, but now Brian um why can't i remember Brian's last name right now sorry Brian it's quarantine <laughs> brain everyone's got it <laughs> Wow, it's gone. Oh, Brian Shea, he's our art director now. And, um, yeah, I have a team that we're looking to expand, too. So if anyone's interested in becoming on uh, a team or a board member, let me know because we're a nonprofit. Lovefest.org.com? Oh, yeah, go to chardonlovefest.com, and there's a tab under volunteer. And... We'll connect you. This year we can't make it happen because of the circumstances, but we might be doing a virtual thing. Haven't figured that out yet. That'd so be stay sweet. tuned. That'd be sweet. But yeah, but next year we're looking forward to it and hoping to make it even bigger as we always are trying to do. For like the unofficial tenth year that this year would have been. So it's the <laughs> Oh man, that sucks. I didn't realize that. Come up with something, was, Dave. Yeah. It has to be. It's got to be like ten point five. I don't know, <laughs> the real ten. Yes, the ten point five. Um, I remember annual. I, the, I remember the first love fest. I played a pre-show that I got involved with, which was in like a was in a playhouse, which is in that little downtown area, which I thought was so cool, and like the fact that you can get shows in there and like. I remember for the next couple Love Fest, or maybe it was just that one, like the main acts would close out the night like at 10 or 11 in there, which I, which I thought was a really cool way to wrap up the fest. Was that like always an option or how'd you get invented? <laughs> like that's sick. So that was 2017 is what you're talking about. I just, yeah. So yeah. that, um, we were thinking of a rain option and we, had some difficulties persuading the theater to allow us to come in and play music past their time that they wanted to go home. Um, So they allowed us, and, um, I mean, we had to do some compensation. But, yeah, that was was a good alternative because we were like, well, we're not sure if we're going to use it or not. And it started raining. Yeah. So, and then everyone started freaking out, and the sound guys are like, my equipment. <laughs> so, um, even though they understand the circumstances yeah. of an outside festival, um, so we were, we like, it's just so funny because everybody yeah. comes together like that, and I'm like, okay, go grab that speaker. Go get it now. <laughs> we're going right there. And like, we're just like, charge into the theater and it just somehow happens and like i don't even know what happens i'm like i can't even feel my legs at the end of the day because yeah. i'm just like going everywhere well when you're running but something like that it's fun yeah it's got to be like a, a toll by the end of that you, you you're done for the week you're like i'm out call me next week yeah because that's a whole yeah it was it was <laughs> it was brian's first love fest um last year I think so, yeah. And he was like, are you, like, 
tired. I was like, Brian, I'm eternally tired. <laughs> eternally now. <laughs> Hibernating. Like it doesn't it doesn't go away. <laughs> uh, just that there's like maybe a year or something gone every love fest. <laughs> man. So But when you but man, like when I was like nineteen running it. Yeah. Different story. <laughs> Did that kind of like different story? You know, once I hit like twenty four, then I'm like, ooh, I'm feeling it a little bit. <laughs> Is this what old people feel? Jeez. I know. I was like, holy moly, my legs are killing me, and like my <laughs> my uh, executive assistant, she's like, she's like, are you okay? I was like, can you just carry me? <laughs> <laughs> Did she carry you? No. Oh. <laughs> That'd be awesome if she just like picked you up. All right, let's go. <laughs> Whoa, you are now not executive. You are or assistant. You are executive. Yes, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. But at towards the end of the end of the night, everyone likes to disappear, and then you're just stuck with cleanup and a few stragglers. Yeah, so we're trying sense. not to make that happen. <laughs> Fair enough. Rope it off. If, Bribe them. <laughs> If you help me carry, where are you going? I thought you wanted to hang. Oh, you didn't want to help. Okay. <laughs> um, did you notice like maybe the same effect kind of with songwriting with age? Did it become harder or easier for you to write songs? Yeah. No, yeah, it does become harder for sure. I think it's because I learned more, though, about music and yeah. the theory behind it. So it became less... I don't want, I guess organic is the right word to say. Yeah. But like, it just hasn't, it's not as easy as it was before because I feel like I wasn't judging my songwriting, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Well, yeah, because there's nothing to compare it to, really. You're just like, yeah, the thing I made. Letting it flow. And like, so, because I've been talking to a few songwriters and they, there seems to be like this, initial creative big bang per se where everything's just flowing out and people are just making things and some people keep those songs that they've written from that first period throughout their life and like some people a friend of mine who after that he kind of stopped writing he was just like i got nothing to say and like it it seems to be that people learn more and have more to compare it to and like have more to expect from it which I think it's a good thing. You know what I mean? I don't think that's a bad thing yeah. to like really um, be critical of what you're doing and how it's kind of turning out, especially if it's something you base your identity off of, you know? And like, um, I don't know. So that's interesting. Like with with the Tom kind of going, skipping into songwriting questions, um, Tom Catley's, that's a guy, right? The cover that ground. There's a guy named Tom Catley, or that's a real person. Yeah, he's a he's a real life guy, and he lived across the street from our first band member when we first were practicing. And he came in to the house and like started talking about the Browns and like threw money at us. Cool. So we decided to call him. We decided to call our band the Tom Catleys, and then our merch was a mailbox because. It was like, that's where Tom Catley lives. You know uh, what I mean? Okay, that makes sense. And didn't you bring a mailbox to one of the shows? Or wasn't that like part of your merch? 
Yeah, that was part of the merch. It said Tom Catley on it. Yeah, okay. Did he... And, pick- like... And the owl represented him because, like... I don't know. Joe would say not. But, like, I think he was more like a Boo Radley. Like, you wouldn't see him out mm, okay. in what town. Watching? Yeah. Ex- <laughs> That's cool, though. Like, I couldn't... With the owl thing, I didn't get it. But I remember, I remember at a show... Was he ever at one of your guys' shows? I can't remember. No, I don't think so. He okay. knew there was a band named after him, though. And he's like, those darn kids. <laughs> he didn't like it? Or he was just... I guess not. I don't know. Just names everywhere. Was it like identical to his actual name? No, we changed it. We changed the spelling. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome, though. Um, So that name's always been along then. I thought maybe that was like a... In my mind, that was like when you guys and Alex started playing that I really like the name cemented from like your name to... Okay. So that makes sense. Um, But with the writing process for going into that... Like, you've been doing these virtual shows, or these streamed concerts, and you've been doing one song from Tom Catley's, and it's got this, like, almost, like, Pearl Jam-esque vibage. I don't know. That's what I get from it, like, chord progression. Oh, you think Pearl Jam? I really? I think Pearl Jam, yeah. I don't know what in my mind makes that connection. Um, but what, like, when you went into writing for just being creative and having these options of this is all I can do type deal and this is all I'm just going to express with these chords I know to working more towards stuff with like when you started getting um, the group with Alex and other members did songwriting become a process where you bring a song to the band and they kind of hack it out or was it a joint um, effort? It was, uh, it became a joint effort as soon as Alex joined the band. Okay. So Alex would co-write with me. We would co-write together. or He would bring a song. And actually, in that period of time, I stopped writing songs. Yeah. Towards the end, I just had a really bad writer's block because of certain things in my life that were going on. But, um, (laughs) yeah. So he, um wrote a few songs on the um the album that we released like in 2009 2018 so that was different and then uh, prior to that i would bring a song but it's funny because now i'm getting more into like folk stuff with liamar and the dream catchers because um i have banjo i had accordion and guitar and violin bass and drums so it's like a different arrangement so i took all the songs that i wrote solo yeah and like brought it to them and i was like as soon as the tom catley's broke up i literally um (laughs) literally uh hit up steve reno and was like all right i would like to make a record so how much is that (laughs) and from light and attic right that's what was that? Light and Attic, Steve's label? Or is it something um, No, and I can't... Oh, my God. I can't remember Steve's label right now. I'm sorry. It's all good. Um, oh, no. I remember um, he, he did some stuff with my friend Henry, and that's how I met Steve. Um, and they had a thing called Light and Attic. I don't know if he carried it on, though. But No, it's something new. But anywho, so the way... This band form now is like I 
sought out these strangers <laughs> that I never played with before and was like, all right, I know you play this this instrument. Are you interested in, you know, playing on this record and maybe doing some live shows with me and joining the band? And, you know, I was just up front with them and told them, like, you be doing all my songs. Like, it's going to be called Liam Island Dreamcatchers. Like, are you okay with that? And they're all like, yeah, it's cool, whatever. So I met with each one of them one-on-one and went through the songs and did that. The only person I didn't do that with was Missy. Yeah. So she hopped on later or something? Or she hopped, yeah. um, Kind of. From another, her other project, right? Yeah, I knew her from the Willow Tree. So uh, I got them all in the recording studio. Except my guitarist now, Alex, actually played the guitar on the record. Yeah. And, um, okay, cool. Then everyone met each other through recording. And then Ming, good old Ming. Ming. This, I, he, I'm going to have a whole like series of podcasts just dedicated to Ming. <laughs> but, you should. <laughs> yeah. So Ming was like, yeah, I'll record with you. And I was like, you know, banjo players are hard to find. So I was trying to persuade him into joining the band. Yeah. And he's like, well, I don't know, like, maybe, but, like, I can't say yes, but I can't say no, but, like, I don't know. And I was like, okay. So I was like, why don't you just come and record? He's like, yeah, I can record. I can record. So we met beforehand and, like, played on this park bench, which was funny. That's Never cool. met him in my life, and yeah. just whatever. And then he showed up to record, and uh, we like got pizza and some wine. That was funny, but like just the <laughs> just the events leading up to like now is just comical in my head yeah. because like none of us knew any of us. And then the way Austin joined the band is he. Uh, he was like called in by Steve and I actually hit him up before and I was like, Hey, I'm starting a new project. I need a drummer. Would you be interested? And he's like, yeah, but like, are you still in Chardon? Would you be practicing out there? And I was thinking like, yeah, I was hoping to do that, you know? Um, and he's like, no, that's too far. And I was like, okay, I understand. Cause he was coming from Sandusky. So then, then Steve, I was like, I need a, I need a drummer, Steve. Like, you know anybody? He's like, yeah, I think I do. You know, um, we'll get a studio drummer for you, and you'll have to pay him, whatever. So I was like, okay, sure. And then it turns out to be Austin, and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> and he's like, oh, hey. And then um, he, like, thought about it, and he's like, hey, can I join the band? Nice. nice. And I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, well, probably. I was like, everyone's on the freaking west side, so. Yeah. We'll find a place to practice in Cleveland. And uh, we started practicing at my friend's house, which is really funny. And he lives with five people. And we like, (laughs) we were in this like tiny room that was empty that they had their music room and like no drums at the time. Yeah. And uh, then we finally were able to get a practice space. And we share it with Rubik's Groove and Apostle Jones and At all those people. undisclosed location that nobody can find. Yes, undisclosed. <laughs> no one is welcomed. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So, like, so this project, it lo- it's 
compared to the Tom Catleys, it sounds like it kind of you kind of went into it just being just writing and then bringing people into the project or people wanted to join you with the original lineup of the Tom Catleys, and then expanded to like more joint writing. And then, like, it seems like it's almost kind of going back to the roots in a way where, like, you're doing this thing and people are joining you. So it's almost like at that kind of uh, peak expression type thing where you're just kind of coming up with tunes and, like, everyone's hopping on to make the tune the best they can. And that kind of makes sense with, like, everything else you're doing with, like, this kind of leader role and, like, this (laughs) organizer and, like... Which is a hefty role to be in, you know what I mean? And like to try. To... I have to be in control. No, I'm, I just I, I'm not trying to put it that way. I'm not... <laughs> On the count of three, our friends with OCD and. <laughs> but like, but you're put like uh, it almost kind of it almost seems like that's where you thrive type deal. Like that's where you're comfortable and not maybe not to put it in terms of because you're in control, but in terms of like. <laughs> everyone's working towards one thing type deal because yeah i've sat in a few times in like the play bass for your um for a couple of your gigs and it's never been like you're screwing it up type deal it was it was a really Um, relaxed relaxed atmosphere and um yeah it it has to be relaxed i mean i can't like who wants to play with someone that's like that like yeah definitely but It's not fun, and then people get upset. So, you know, it's got to be like, you know, if if one of them, I let, it's pretty much free of expression on their end, too. Unless they, like, try to change my song completely, then I'm like, no. <laughs> well, is it? Well, yeah, you're coming with, like, an actual, like, an intention for, like, a, that you want to represent this thing. Like, whatever the song may be about or whatever it's portraying. You know, like that, you know, it's just like that. Um, just like that. Just like that. You come in with that and everyone makes it sound cooler. But um, one thing I wanted to ask kind of more specifically about songwriting with you, because I'm generally a fan of your stuff from the Tom Catleys and to the new project. And um, with like the songs, when you come up with a tune or at least when you're songwriting and you're in the zone of it, do you like, is there like... Is it a music first or is it a lyric first or is it kind of a combination of both? Like an idea that's in your head and then you use music to get it out? So it's always funny because I feel like I never know. Yeah. But I just recently have started writing a new song and it's kind of the music first. Like I kind of have a melody in my head or something. And then... Sometimes, and then I'll start playing music, or I'll just start playing some chords, and then like a melody just comes out of nowhere. I can't really explain it, it just happens. Like, I don't tend to force it, yeah, it just kind of naturally goes. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then, like, um, lyrics aren't as easy as they used to be, yeah, so. Back in the day. Back in my day, we had the zips and zoobles, and those lyrics were flying off the shelf. So I I try to sit more with the lyrics and figure that end out. But, yeah, I would say it's the music first, actually. It's it's like a, well, okay, so it's like the music and the lyrics at the same, like the music, then the lyrics. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So kind of a combination of both. That makes sense. 
because like I've talked to a few people and with my own type of like a process of it, it seems like it's an idea of an expression and you find the canvas, which is the music to put the lyrical paint on top. But you got to mm-hmm. have that like that layout before you can even do anything about it. Yeah, because it's hard to it's hard to write out lyrics for myself first and then like try to force it into a melody or like rhythm that doesn't really fit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or didn't exist until you already wrote it. Right. And then you're trying to make this, this thing, this narrative you wrote fit to this now cool chord progression you came up with, you know, and then you just get stuck or something. And then it's like, where do you go from here? When you were um, when you were writing as a group in the Tom Catleys, was it the same way? Was it like a? Because I've never I've never really done a writing with a with a anyone other than myself. And some it's I'm it's hard. Just, uh, yeah, it's or... it's hard when you're used to writing by yourself. To be honest, and um, I think. I can't remember, but I think Alex agreed too. Like it, it was like a newer thing for him. Okay. As well, a little bit. I mean, he worked with some people, but I mean, I don't know. So maybe not. But like, we never worked together co-writing. So he would his style is so different than mine. So. What's his process would, like? A little bit musically different, his, or. Yeah, it is a little different. And I can't remember exactly, like, my mind is fried. I'm sorry, Dave. But, like, he he would literally just write the music, and then he'd just have me come up with a melody and lyrics. So that's how we co-wrote. Okay, that's interesting. That kind of keeps that, uh, you you now are delivered a canvas type deal. Um, Gotcha. But that's an interesting, that's kind of, that seems like the, the classic rock motif of, you know, one guy's assigned one job and another guy's assigned another and it's a team effort type thing, which is pretty cool as well. Yeah. Or like one of us would bring a song in, but he never, he wouldn't put lyrics to his songs. He would, when he would bring them, cause he would write yeah. them specifically for the Tom Catleys. Uh, so okay. he wanted me to do your you part know. for it. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. See that, that seems like a really like, uh, as far as songwriting relationship, a good team, a good team effort. Everyone has a yeah, spot. Yeah, it, um, it was good how it worked out. And like, so that's, I don't know, that's cool. I've never like, I was talking to um, Gretchen and Zach Friedhoff and they were talking about, yeah, we're still going. Uh, but they were talking about how they enjoy working with the writing in partners or writing in teams. But uh, I don't know, it's an interesting process for sure. <laughs> um let's see well it's still going yeah we're still going i can still hear you what do we got as far as what's come besides this mysterious instrumental what else do you got in the works for the people coming out um well i'm actually working currently on um with some people possibly making an animated music video yeah for for one of the songs and i i hope it's it works out okay, and I can afford it. So, is there any? Um, um, uh, what tune is it going to be off the record? It's going to be for Mud on His Shoes. Okay, cool. That's a deal. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Um, so that's something like while we're in quarantine that can happen. Yeah. Um, and we have 
some shows that are um, can't be told either. But, you know, once this hopefully is over, we'll be able to play it, play the show that would be cool. <laughs> well, hopefully that pans out and that uh, comes to fruition. Because um, uh, you've been writing new songs. Like, I like the one with the, you had the one with the mountain. Um Oh yeah, I found my baby on the mountain. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why it jumped there when you said I, there's going to be like an Appalachian spike, and I'm keeping that. Um, yeah, but, I kept. I just kept in mind. Anyways, go ahead. You no, know, that I I tuned, I caught that one in one of your streams, and that was a. I was like, damn, that's a good song. Um, Thank so you. You got a lot of cool stuff. At least it brewing. New tunes coming. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot more. The new stuff that I'm writing is a lot more folky. Yeah. Well, that makes sense to fit the outfit you have now with all the instrumentation right. and like um, style of the group. Have you tuned into any of the virtual shows yet? Have you caught? I haven't those? been able to yet. No, I'm horrible. <laughs> but you're good. Was it? It's a crazy. Like it's an awesome experience. It's like you've been doing the stream thing. Which is a cool yeah. experience, but like the Zoom, the we like the uniqueness of the virtual show experience of that type of show is really like it's really amazing to kind of be with all these people and not at the same time. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. you're doing a stream, people clap, they tune in, tune out, you don't, and you get like a, a lag. Like right when you're done, you don't know if that angry face is actually because I'm a- they're angry, or if they're just pushing all the buttons, or right. Or that comment about my computer, if it was because of what I just said, or if it was something previous, there's a lag to it in the stream. But with the Zoom thing, it's it's right on the money, and like you get to see everyone else perform, and it's like this team effort, and it's like this little virtual community. And it's a really cool experience. So I think I think you're gonna dig it, and it's gonna be exciting. Which is happening Friday, the fifteenth at eight p.m. Yeah, I'm excited to be on it. I. I'm really happy. Thank you, Michelle, for letting me be on it. Thank you, everyone else who is with Virtual Cleveland. Um, it's an awesome idea. You know, like she came up with that so quick. Yeah, I got a which whole, is sweet. I got a whole forty-eight hour style podcast of all going through like the the steps of how it came together, and uh, wow, it's it's so cool because like it just kind of this northeast ohio like this scene that we're all kind of a part of and like how it branches out and how everyone's lifting each other up to make it through this thing even like with the venues like with the negative space thing which were you were a part of which i couldn't be more thankful for or like they're doing some stuff for the beachland now and some stuff with the grog shop and everyone's looking out for each other and virtual shows is looking out for the players and it's like it's amazing all this uh all this good and all this love that's being now that is now that is now visible because of these farting phones and sorry <laughs> it's fine my phone is and broken i'm going to delete that one out um and all <laughs> i keep getting distracted from it but it is now visible from all this and like i think it's just when everything goes back to normal it's going to be just hundred times more. It's going to be so clear how much everyone supports each other. Even when they don't yeah, show I feel, up to the shows. Yeah, I feel that too. What was that? I said even when they don't show up to the shows. Right. But it's all Whoops. going to be there. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much going on, you know, it's hard to 
started to touch base with everybody and support everybody. But this is a weird way where everyone kind of can, at least for like five minutes, you know, which means a yeah. lot. Well, isn't there a virtual show happening soon? Uh, yeah, there's one happening tomorrow with the Dream Masons. Oh, um, well, then I might tune in. What was it? Ba-boom. Um, anything? How do you feel about this interview so far? Is there anything you want to... Is it good? We cover everything? Yeah, I think that covers everything. Is there anything you want to add in that we maybe didn't? Um... <laughs> Not really, but tune in May 15th uh, to Virtual Cleveland and, you know, get me those plays on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, I'll plug, I'm going to plug one of the, your tunes. Um, So my, I made a music video for your friends in October with um, some other, with all, like most of my friends and some other musicians and Bobby Daggett from, uh. Bonnie Clyde, Bonnie Clydeman was actually played my boyfriend in the music video. Star role. And uh, <laughs> he killed it. And uh, so uh, the director had he asked me if I wanted to like submit them to like a film festival. Yeah. So I was like, sure. So we submitted them to Portland and LA and to Nashville and oh, like that's for cool. their film fest. So we'll see if anything happens, but that's awesome. That's something I was talking. There's a local thing too. Some brewery does like a film fest thing where they take, they'll like do music videos and stuff. The dream masons were telling me about that with one of the oh, videos. Nice. So that could be another thing too for that. That's awesome. Cause I was, yeah, as a as a extra guitar player, <laughs> yes, Dave was also in the music video. I was I was the guitar player. He was. <laughs> and your guitar player was a drummer, and like there was so much <laughs> that shoot the was so fun because it was so hectic at the same time. Like you guys were shooting like other scenes in other parts of the venue. And the band, Jarrett Tolly was there. He just hopped up. Everyone just started jamming. And, like, as someone who's, like, ran videos and, like, video shoots, it stresses me out whenever uh, having to do a thing like that. And, like, like, I'm like, we're playing. They're trying to do a thing. What are we doing? You guys evolved, too. It was weird. I was like, what is going on? It was cool, though. It was, that was a, that was, it was just so fun to film the whole thing. Yeah, and then, like, when it came out so good, like, I, I remember a couple days later or maybe a week or two later seeing the end product and being, like, moved by it. I'm like, this is so cool how this came out, and it's, like, a real thing, and my friend is an actual actor in here. He's doing this bit, you know what I mean? Like, this is sick. <laughs> like, I was blown away by Bobby. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like... I know, Bobby's such a freaking actor. What a superstar. I know, as far as being a talented musician and, like, everything else himself, like, I was like, I know it for was, sure I can't act for shit. Like, I can't... His, like, his takes were literally, like, he would get it in two takes or one take, and then, like, Cole would be like, all right, Leah, your turn. And I'm like, okay. And, like, legitly, it would take me, like, seven times. You did good, like, though, too. I'm not trying to... You rocked it too. It was a, like I wouldn't be able to do what you did either. Like, because <laughs> I remember at the beginning, there's like a beginning scene where there's like a crowd or whatever, and like, like you were looking at him in the crowd before we were on the stage doing our bit, and we were also like audience members. 
at one yeah. point and like you were like you followed him and you walked off the stage and even just like doing that was like um believable like i would be cheesing the whole time like, <laughs> like i would not be able to take it serious and like yeah i don't know so anyone that can do that it, it's a, it's impressive <laughs> it's a hard thing to do to make music videos that's for sure it's a whole nother thing now and like but the guy you were working with he killed it he had such a vision for it that was another thing I wanted to point out. I've never been on a music video shoot, quote unquote, where there was a guy oh. with the the clapper, the scene, the scene cutter, and who had yeah. a schedule, a scene schedule. I was yep. like, and one of my best friends has been getting into film, so I'm learning all this stuff while he's learning all this stuff, and like to see like someone actually do that because I've done a couple random music video things, and like they're never like that. They're like, okay, go, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Like an actual production was really cool, and like that, the end result was awesome. So I really hope that picks up and gets into some festivals of some sort. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, we'll see. You know, keep everyone in the loop. Cool beans. Well, thanks for hanging out, Leah. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks, Dave.